Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're breaking down why indie bookstores are great and interviewing the manager of our local indie, Stephen Salardino. But first... What are you reading, Bria? Oh, I am reading... Look at you with your book journal. I'm doing too much. I can't ever remember what I'm reading right now. So I brought my book journal. Yay! So I've read a lot in the last couple of weeks, randomly. Oh, Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. I have not heard of this. Have you not heard of this book? People are talking about it. It's a buzzy book, oh, Mallory. Man. Well, it's... I've been in. I've been sort of in a mole hole for in the, a mole pa- hole? the past um, month. <laughs> it is a, uh, this book that's written on. It takes place on an elevator ride as the guy goes I down to the first floor. I have heard of yeah. this, and it's written almost like poetry because. It's written like if you wrote something and it looked like an elevator, that's what it looks oh, like. Oh, that's really cool. So it's written in these like short columns. You could read it in an hour. Like it's a very short. Is book. it good? Yeah, it's really great. And it's oh. about his this guy and his brother was just killed, and he is trying gonna go kill the guy who killed his brother. And then all of a sudden, all these ghosts start showing up on the elevator ride. Down. Oh wow! Yeah, it's great. That it's really, really well written. And if you're looking for a book that's just sort of not super difficult to read. You're not like getting into a whole world building. You can finish it in like like a day. It's really a, a nice, fun read. That sounds awesome. Yeah. What are you reading? I'm reading a book that you told me I should read. What is it? Uh, All About Love by Bell Hooks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have never read her before. And I remember a long time ago, you were like, I read this book whenever something is happening in my love life, whether for good or bad. And I fell in love uh, at the end of the summer. And I was like, I should read this and like check in with my brain. And it's really, really good so far. It's an amazing, I mean, it's a self-help book, but it's a feminist book. Yeah. It's a both. So yeah, it's, and it's all about, like, I love the idea that, like, in our society, we're all told that, like, we have to look for love, but we aren't really told how to love and what that looks like. And it's it's really, it's short, it's quick, and I love it so far. Oh, good. Yay! So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback from our Halloween episode. Kira wrote in, Mallory, I am totally the same way when it comes to scary books, movies, anything. Woohoo, I am with you, Kira. I've had really bad anxiety for most of my life, so I found that indulging in frightening media is a way to experience anxiety in a controlled space. I brought the scary thing into my life by my own volition rather than having it thrust on me by some outside source. On top of that, I get to use all that extra tension and energy and use it for something that's kind of fun rather than completely exhausting. Kira, I am, as you know, I'm with you. This is awesome. I'm glad that someone else in the world feels the same way. Scary books for bibliotherapy. Hell yes. Uh, We also heard from Amanda who wrote in and said she thought she would add her certified horror reading method. It is copyrighted, guys, so, you know. Keep that in mind. As someone who has a low scare threshold and is definitely not a horror fan. One, choose a book based on trusted friends' recommendations, knowing I will feel betrayed later. (laughs) Two, read in the middle of the day, full sunlight, no inclement weather. Three, let it scare you so thoroughly that the only way you feel safe is to put the book in the freezer. Three, A, worry about how it's going to affect your frozen foods. 3B, ask anyone who, to open the freezer for you, even if all you need is ice cube cubes. This method has served me well through college and beyond. It's amazing. Really funny method. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. So remember that you can buy Reading Glasses merch now. We ha- finally have bookmarks. You can declare your allegiance, whether you are a Mallory or a Bria. Yeah, and they come in packs of three, we think. 
as of recording this, they have not been released, but we do think they come in packs of three. Yes. And we think they will be ready by the time this comes out. They are in the Max Fun store, and you guys can check them out and put them in your books, and we can read along with you guys. Yeah, and and on one side it has a Mallory, and one side there is a Bria, and you can tell us which one you are. And then there's also some fun reading glasses. Yeah. Yay. yay. So before we talk about indie bookstores, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is supported by StoryWorth. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly emailed story prompts. Here's how it works. One, purchase a subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. Two, they simply respond to the email with their story or can record it over the phone. Three, after a year, their stories will be bound into a beautiful keepsake book. It's a great gift for the holidays for your loved one who enjoys telling stories. I sent one to my mom. She was very stoked to get it. She told me all about an NPR story she heard about it. I'm sure there will be other stories I will enjoy as well. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash readingglasses when you subscribe. Hey, Biz. Have you seen any good movies lately? Hey, Teresa. Does Curious George's Boo Fest count? It doesn't. Mm. Well, I blame my current life situation that has small children that need things. God, I love them, and I miss knowing about stuff. (laughs) Well, after catching up on the current cultural offerings on podcasts that provide such information, (laughs) join us on One Bad Mother as we help explore the harsh realities of sweeping self-identity changes as we try to find ourselves between our pre- and post-kid selves. I used to like all the things. Download One Bad Mother on MaximumFun.org or Apple Podcasts. And yes, there will be swears. This week, we're talking about indie bookstores. Tumblr loves them. They look great on Instagram. Books- oh, there's like a cat thing. Oh, Cats yeah. in indie bookstore I Instagram. I shit out of that. I'm, that's very in your wheelhouse. Yeah. See, book people adore them, but why? What are the actual benefits to your reading life besides having some cute photos to share on social media? So when we say indie bookstore, we're talking about a bookstore that's independently owned, not a corporation. So it's not a Barnes & Noble, it's not an Amazon bookstore, not a Books A Million. Is Books A Million still a bookstore? Yeah. Hmm. Before we fly off into a love letter to indies, we just want to say that we love corporate bookstores too. It's important to have both kinds of bookstores. Corporate bookstores sometimes serve areas of the country that are deserts for bookstores, and loads of amazing booksellers work there. You're still a real reader if you frequent or work at a corporate bookstore. It's not just indies. That's not what we're here to say, guys. And I have personally spent many an hour enjoying a fancy drink in a Barnes & Noble cafe and a cheap classics paperback when I was a teenager. Oh, yeah. As a teenager, I went to one, and it's not open. It's a chain that isn't around anymore. But we would spend hours looking through the books there and not purchasing them. We were were jerks. We would go through the books, read them, not purchase them as teenagers. Oh. Do you want to hear about some weird indie bookstores that you could go to if you wanted to? Can I tell you the ones that I've been to? Yes, <laughs> out of this list? Yes. Well, first of all, someone sent us one that you can go sleep in in, your, in, in London, and we'll post that. But it's on the Facebook group. If you're not a member yeah. of the Facebook group, this is where we're telling you you should join because people post really cool stuff. Yeah. There's Baldwin's Book Barn. I have not been to this one. To Westchester. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, it's a bunch of old books and maps in a barn. Um, there's one in Netherlands, the Netherlands, which is an old church called Selexic. Dominican bookstore. I'm butchering. That's not. I'm sure how you say that. There's the book barge. I've been to this. Have you? Yes, it was my favorite part when I went to London. You know, it's not open again till 2019. So you went at a good time. Yeah. It's a book 
Well, tell everybody about it's it. A float, it's literally a barge that floats through the canals in London, and you can barter with books for barter for books with the owner. There's a cat who lives who's on the barge, and it, it's amazing. It's just this adorable little bookstore, and when I went, it was docked next to a cafe barge, and I was like, I'm just going to live here. This is all I need. A cafe barge. Oh, wow. It was amazing. I got Do you catch scone? your own fish over the side? Oh. And we were like... <laughs> Catch but it was lunch a book and we'll fish. make it at the cafe. <laughs> they it also is uh, for rent for a writer's retreat starting in 2019. The book barge. I just feel like they Bria should have the, a resident podcasting. Oh yeah, Wouldn't podcasting that be cool? from the Mallory and Bria from the live from the barge. <laughs> <laughs> Although I get seasick, I think that'd be a terrible idea. But it's just like since you you can't when you're in it you can't tell that it's like it just it doesn't like rock around. It's on the canals. Mm, okay, all right. The bookshop, the second biggest. Secondhand, the biggest secondhand bookstore in Scotland, which is over a mile, has over a mile of shelving. I have not been there. La Caverne Le Vive. This is when I, what, why am I trying to pronounce these things? There's a bookshop north of Paris, which is on a decommissioned train car. Pretty cool. That's awesome. The Faulkner House is in the old, in Faulkner's old apartment in New Orleans and carries books. Obviously buying about Faulkner. That's fascinating. Bart Books. Oh, I love Bart's books so much. I just said Bart Books instead, but Bart's Books is the name. <laughs> Uh, uh, in Ohio, which you've been to, it's the it's the largest out, out store bookstore in America. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. I went there for my birthday this year, and oh, yeah. actually last year. You went both. Did you buy stuff? Oh God, yeah. Is it secondhand? Yeah, and it's all outside. I bought like eleven books. It's amazing. Oh. Oh. There's like little like awnings, but there's cats, and it's huge. Oh, it's, yeah, it's my, like I looked through almost. I I only looked through half of the bookstore, and I spent four hours there. Oh wow, it's amazing. It's so uh, great. And one that I feel like you would really like is called Spotty Dog Books and Ale, and it's a bookstore and a bar. Oh, and I believe it's in New York. That oh, I want to. I honestly, that's like my retirement plan. I want to have a bookstore bar, and then just live in there. You could start that now, but I don't, don't live in it. Don't live in it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the glorious thing about indie bookstores is they're you know independent. So every different one is unique. All the ones we just listed, they're all they have all of a different selection of books on the shelves, different genres represented, different books displayed depending on what those particular booksellers are loving that week. Most corporate bookstores have to adhere to like you know at least loosely to a nationwide plan. So as a reader and a browser, you can find books and authors you might not have otherwise heard of. Having different stores where you can buy different types of books is really good for everybody. Yeah, and this is something we get into it's in our interview with the Skylight Books manager Yay. where we ask them questions about what why certain books are up on their shelves and it's not because they're being paid for yeah. you know so that's that's an interesting thing about indie bookstores yeah and what's cool is in the wake of this terrible year that we're having a lot of bookstores have been featuring books by women people of color lgbtq plus books books on how to resist fascism all the good stuff in a time when independent voices and information are important indie bookstores have a really great voice and they're a really important place right now yeah, and they also feature displays of local authors, which is great for your local artistic community. It gets people to find books you might otherwise not know about. Actually, I was just talking about this in a couple episodes ago where Portland had a lot of yeah. Portland people in their top sellers at Powell's. The, the top selling books at Powell's are Portland authors because they support Portland authors, so it makes people buy more, which we also talk about in our interview in a minute. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and the, that that community aspect is a big plus for indies. And we're not, I'm not here to give you guys a long, boring lesson on economics, but more of each dollar that you spend at an independently owned store, and not just for bookstores, goes back into the community than it does if you spend it at a corporately owned store, where the profits mostly go back to corporate headquarters. You'll be spending more than you will on Amazon, definitely, but it'll go back into your community, which is amazing. Yeah, and there's actually a really interesting episode of that show, Annotated. Did you yes. did you listen to that show? Yeah, I did. It's another podcast. 
Here's a podcast rest recommendation from our own podcast. Yeah, we love all the Book Riot podcasts. Uh, but that one, is, they have this, they have one about indie bookstores and about how their local community hotspots, but also how they are one of the only growing independent businesses in America. Like yeah. indie bookstores, because people who shop for books tend to want to support indies and they're actually they're growing what a lot of other like mom and pop type stores are shrinking it's a great episode if you want to listen to it yeah we'll link to it in the show notes and you know you, you can go to free author readings book events lectures all kinds of awesome stuff there even if you aren't spending money it's just like a cool place that you can go to and it's a great place to have a date i will attest to that it's a great place to meet well, you've been on a date to a bookstore oh tons first of them. date oh yeah man if you want to date me and you're not interested in going to a bookstore <laughs> get out of town then do you judge the person by what books they're picking up and what books they don't pick up not really you just judge them whether or not they want to go yeah so if they're like so you're on okay let me set this up for you okay you're on tinder mallory's dream date you're on tinder Woo. you go you're like let's meet up and you're like great let's meet up at the sky local skylight books yes and the guy says, oh, I'm not that interested. How about a coffee shop? Do you go out with him? Unmatch. <laughs> and if he goes, but then he spends the entire time just looking at magazines, what? Or me. I had a guy who just followed me around, and I was like, dude, you're in a bookstore, and you're not interested in the books. It is a date, Mallory. Of course he's going to be following <laughs> you around. I don't feel like <laughs> you should get mad at that person. I want to date someone. Well, I and it, ultimately, it doesn't matter because I am dating someone who's obsessed with book, as obsessed with books as I am. But, like, man, you're in a giant store full of books. Not even I should be, like, distracting you from all these amazing books. Who's the most attractive person you can think of? My boyfriend. (laughs) Who's the most attractive person you can think of that people would know who he is? Oh, Jason Momoa. Okay, Jason Momoa. Oh, I just watched a movie he was in. He was very attractive. He's always very attractive. It's great, great, very great in Bad Batch, but it is a triggering movie. Sorry, people. Oh, God, I do. Let's talk about that movie after. um, But, uh, okay, you're in a bookstore. There's a pile of books on one side. Jason Momoa is on the other side, and we put you in the middle. <laughs> Which direction do you go? It's like, well, okay. What, you what do kind like of a books rat? are they? Are they fiction? It's I'll fiction lo- books. I'll probably They're read. all written by Neil Gaiman. You've never read them. But oh. Jason Momoa is standing there, and you don't have a boyfriend, and he's like, I really want to go on a date with you to a bookstore. <laughs> <sighs> I don't I at least would want to look at the Neil Gaiman bookstores. <laughs> all right. Question answered. <laughs> At least want to check them out. All right, what's your favorite thing about? Can you believe that I have a boyfriend, guys? Can you believe that I've survived in this world? Jason Momoa, you were just you were just knocked out of the running by books. I mean, that's when I met my boyfriend. I walked into his house and he had almost as many books as me, and that's how I knew. Okay, what do you, what is your favorite thing about indie bookstores? Oh man, I lo- well I love the curation. So I like browsing and I like spending a lot of time in bookstores. And again, if you go into Barnes and Noble, almost every Barnes and Noble you go to is the same. Right. And, you know, so if I'm looking for a certain type of book, I can tell you exactly which indie bookstore in L.A. to go to. Mm-hmm. If you like if you're looking for a small press book, if there's a certain type of used book you're looking for, like I know where you should go. And I, you know, I have a handful of favorites in L.A. and basically every city I've ever lived in. Um, also, as a horror reader, some indies like Skylight, our local favorite, uh, still have horror sections, something most corporate bookstores have done away with, which, you know, I love browsing through the horror sections. It makes me really happy. Like, there's an indie bookstore on the other side of L.A. called Book Soup that carries a ton of small press books, which I love. And, you know, it's, there's, there, it's the only place I can really think of that you can browse for that. You yeah. know, we, we all have the Internet and it's great to be able to Google whatever you want. But there's some sort of magical pleasure in just sort of like walking around and looking, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I do think you're right about the curation because 
I do want to know, as everyone who listens to the show knows, I do want to know what other people are reading, and I definitely take it, like the person who wrote in about her system, you want a suggestion. Yeah. You want suggestions from people, and especially people who work in bookstores. Yeah. The same way you ask someone who works at a restaurant what they eat there, because they know the best. Yeah, absolutely. Priya, what do you love about indies? Well, I, I have very fond memories. My mom moved to Portland when I was a teenager, and that's when... And the first time I visited, she took me to Powell's. And I remember it being a very – I grew up in East Texas, and then we didn't have a bookstore there. We only had a library because it was just a really small town. So you'd, I would drive half an hour to go to the nearest bookstore where we would uphill go. Uphill both ways. Uh, and uphill both ways <laughs> in the sun because it's very hot there. <laughs> but it, I would drive to this whatever this, – this corporate bookstore, and we would read the free books, like I said. But when I was a teenager, my mom moved there, moved to Portland, and there was a whole bookstore – Powell's, which takes up an entire city block. And it is crazy. And you've been there. I've never been to Powell's. You've never been to Portland or Powell's? Either. Oh, right. Because if you'd been to Portland, <laughs> you would have <laughs> been to It'd be amazing Powell's. if I just like helicoptered like into ma- Powell's. It's literally and then, like. like got extracted back oh, out. I was thinking you got off the plane and it's just like this magnet. Like it's pulling you from <laughs> your chest all the way to Powell's. My hair flying behind me as I zoom across the city. It, it's literally the only place where I'm like. They have like more than one bathroom, and I'm like, they need one because it's so big. <laughs> you know, Bria, I love that. Like, that's your met- metric for how big a place it is. How many bathrooms are there? I mean, that's important. It's really important. I also think <laughs> that I, it was the first time I'd ever seen like a full-on feminist section in a bookstore. So I was oh, like, man. wow, you can have a section on feminism Did in there, a like bookstore. Like the romantic interlude start playing. Yeah, and yeah. Like- my romantic relationship with becoming a feminist at an, at an early age, and then in college, I really started. Loving this bookstore in Austin called Half Price Books, where the books are half price. Whoop. And that was amazing for a college kid because you're looking for something cheap. Yeah. And it's used and also had a feminist section. Amazing. Uh, it was small, but the bookstore was kind of small. So that was a place. And there's several of them now. I actually went to a Half Price Books fairly recently on a date with my boyfriend when Aww. we were in. We first started dating and he was living in Dallas. Oh, but see, it's, that's a ma- great place in um, Austin. See, great place to have dates, guys. So... Now, what do you do if you only e-read? What if you do if you were like Bria when she was a kid and you don't have a local indie? We're asking Stephen Sellardino, manager of Skylight Books, after the break. You can send your thoughts on indie bookstores to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. MaxFunCon tickets are on sale now at maxfuncon.com. Watch stand-up comedy on a mountain, Roll out of bed after a dance party to see a live podcast taping. Take classes from amazing teachers with the most supportive group of people you'll ever meet. Make a bunch of friends and eat a ton of s'mores. Come to Max Fun Con at Lake Arrowhead, California, the second weekend of June for friendship, comedy, and creativity. Get your ticket now at maxfuncon.com. And now we are here with Steve Salardino, the manager of Skylight Books, um, me and Bria's local indie bookstore that we talk about on the show all the time. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. It is wonderful to be with you guys. So we're very excited. We have lots of behind-the-scenes questions all about indie bookstores. We should say where we are right now. We're in this, like, secret back room, Skylight Books. (laughs) (laughs) It's very exciting for us. We've already stolen, like, 15 galleys. That's cool, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Okay. 
So we get a lot of people writing into the show who have they want to support indie indie bookstores, but they're not a hundred percent sure how. So what what are there things that people can do to support their local indie when they're far away from one? Well, yeah, the, I mean, we try to make the community bigger than just the space and the neighborhood around us. So I think that we do have an online presence and you can buy books online from us. Um, you pretty much can buy any book that's in print from us. If we don't have it in a store, because that's a lot of books, um, we would order it and bring it into the store. Or we'll mail it to you. Um, we do have a frequent buyers program, which is called Friends with Benefits. Um, of which I am a member. <laughs> thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> um, so... Being a friend, you probably know that uh, we, for $25 a year, we give you free shipping on uh, all the books. So you could, you know, buy 100 books that year and you get free shipping. So we'll distribute media mail to you. Great. So fans and readers should definitely check, like, go to their local bookstore website and see if there's, you know, that you anybody else has a kind of program like that. Yeah, a lot of people do, actually. Um, we kind of base even our program on other bookstores that have done a similar thing. Uh, so we recently did a show all about bestseller lists. Does Skylight uh, report to the indie bestseller list? Yeah, we report to a few different bestseller lists, and indie is one of them. Um, we do, and we do our own bestseller list in the store every month as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because that's one of the ones that I really pay attention to. Yeah, it's it's pretty fantastic because we feel like it represents the store, whereas most of the bestseller lists that people see, like the New York Times or even the LA Times, don't represent the books that people buy here at Skylight Books. So it happens to be um, everything that sold in the month. And sometimes it's something that is more commercial, perhaps like the Rupi Carr book, which is selling well all over the place. But then there's also books that like um, that we sell at the bookstore that don't do well anywhere else but the bookstore, you know, that because of our, either because of hand selling, because of all the staff members have gotten behind it, or because it's just a neighborhood favorite. That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit more about that, just about the curation of things in the store? Because, I mean, one thing, obviously, we like coming in here and looking at the at what's on the shelves and what's on the end caps. Do you call them end caps? What do you call them? Yeah, we call them end caps. Okay. So <laughs> can you talk about the curation of all of that? Yeah. the um, I mean, we have a book buyer that's been with our store since we opened, and he is from the neighborhood, and he worked at the bookstore that was actually here before Skylight Books in the same building. What was it? It was what? called Shatterton's. And it was, it was here for 20 years, um, and it closed in the early 90s, and then we opened in 96. Um, but he's been here the whole time, and he's been very instrumental in sort of bringing in a lot of, like, political stuff and a lot of uh, alternative literature. And he, you know, he was, like, we always had all the William Volman books. You know, he was one of the big first big fans of David Foster Wallace and he like we've sold many more of those books than a lot of other bookstores because of him but he picks all the books for us he sits down with all the publisher catalogs and goes through everything and then everything else is based on you know what's coming out there's always things you have to take a chance on but then the staff members definitely have input and so like if a staff member really loves a certain book maybe it's even been um, it's an older book. It's a title that's been out of print or just re-released from, let's say, New York Review of Books or something. They get behind it, and we definitely bring it into the store and make sure that it's, you know, face out, and everybody can see it. I and mean, there's a little shelf talker on there that talks about it, and that way we can publicize those great books. Okay, so I have a question then. Do you, when you're interviewing potential staff staff people, um, do you ask them what their favorite books are or do you is that part of the interview process like it seems like that would be important if they're like making these decisions yeah we do talk about i mean books that they read or books that they know about i mean it is sort of based on 
you know, what our neighborhood likes, you know? So if there's a person that works at a lot of bookstores, but maybe their taste isn't, um, doesn't best represent the bookstore, or maybe they know about a lot of books that we just don't sell here. It doesn't help us as much as someone else who might know a lot of, about books that we do sell there. But then there's also like a learning curve anyway. So, you know, some it, we, do, we do ask that. It's not the most important question, but it's interesting to see what people read. Do a lot of the staff read advanced review copies? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we get a lot of them here. I mean, I wouldn't think that we don't read all of them <laughs> by any <laughs> sense, but um, but everybody looks through them and picks out the ones they want to read, and we do read them, yeah, for sure. So tell us a little bit about those shelf talkers. That's one of my favorite parts of an independent bookstore. Do you guys do that monthly or weekly or who, you know, do people well, just volunteer because they love a book? I mean, some of those have been up there for years. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because, as, you know, someone feels that strongly about the book and because it still works. It still sells books. It still is something that people are buying. Um, but, yeah, we do try to change them out. Um, and we, you know, when it comes to times like this time of the year when it's the holiday season, uh, is this going to air during this time of the year? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense to talk about that. Um, <laughs> during the holiday season and, or coming up to that, you know, we sort of do a little more of a blitz and, and, and like kind of do new stuff, you know, like things that we have or make sure that we're writing more of those um, kind of shelf talkers. But, you know, it's something we do in our, when we have a minute, we just, you know, find it. Or if we have a new book that we've just read that we really liked. I mean, I, I sort of rediscovered uh, Joy Williams this year. <gasps> she's great and I've only really read like her short stories before and I loved them but this year I read her novels for the first time and I read two in a row and I loved them and so immediately of course I wrote something up and put it on the shelf and there it was that's awesome so uh tell us a little bit about hand selling is that something that you know people sort of pick up just is there do you have books that you particularly love to hand sell well you have to define I think you have to define that yeah. define what hand selling is well I mean it's basically just helping a customer right right <laughs> but, but, but you call it hand selling yeah it's inside inside <laughs> lingo insider baseball here. Uh, yeah it, we, we, the, the re, I mean you know that's sort of what makes it different than being than just buying a book online is you have someone to talk to about what you like when you come into a bookstore what, you know you can say the last book you read and someone can maybe take that information and go with it and try and find a new book for you and so f as staff members here that's what we try to do and um i th you know we, we do literally put it in people's hands <laughs> you know <laughs> so hand selling is, yeah, is that but it's, it's it's a combination of trying to find the book that they want but also there's certain books that we just are so enthusiastic about that we want to like push it on every everybody you know um an example uh there's a book out right now called the mystery dot doc um, and it's a very large tomb by Matthew McIntosh, and it's from Grove Press, and it's huge, but he hasn't written a book in I don't know, over 10 years, and that book that came out before was called Well, and I really loved that book back then when it came out. It was longer than that ago, I think, um, and I, I just kept telling people about it and telling people about it, and we sold hundreds of that book, like just hundreds. And, and, and it started, you know, kind of like a role, like the people that bought it would tell someone else and they happened to be a skylight shopper as well. And so they'd come in and they'd pick it up too. And then there was a shelf talker too, in case I wasn't there. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we just sold hundreds and it was actually the same with Infinite Jest. It's like everybody sold that book very well, but uh, we sold it very, very well because Charles was such a fan of it that he just put it in people's hands all the time. So are there things that people who read eBooks can do to support indie bookstores? Yeah, I mean, you can buy uh, most indie bookstores now, especially the ones that are through American Booksellers Association or, you know, are part of the association. 
are um, hooked up to buy ebooks through Kobo. Um, so if you go to our website, there's just a link there that takes you there. Uh, same with audiobooks, Libro FM. It takes you to them, um, and they, you can buy audiobooks from them as well, um, and ebooks um, from Kobo. But you know, it's a, for us, it's important to have that option out there for the people. Um, it's not generate it doesn't generate that much income for us and because we really are about having the store being a physical presence you know so um i have one more question so if someone is like they want to work in a bookstore this mm -hmm. is their dream what what steps should they take what should they or they want to open a bookstore that's probably a very different question yeah that's too and not questions. a thought out question either <laughs> one but um i just feel like our readers are our readers <laughs> our listeners <laughs> are people who are interested in being involved in the bookish community and maybe they want to get a yeah. job in a bookstore. I mean, it's like a dream, right? To work in the bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been living my dream for a while now. And uh, I, I, I know that like the the best way, the best thing to have on your resume resume to work in a bookstore is to have worked at other bookstores. <laughs> so how you get there is, is a tough thing. Um, well, when I was in college, I used to go to this video store all the time right by my house in San Francisco. And uh, I just would stop by all the time and I'd always ask them every time I was there, you know, do you guys have any openings? Do you have any openings? And, you know, I think eventually they saw the videos I was renting and thought I fit in and eventually they let me work there. And I think that's sort of like how it comes down. It's like you sort of make yourself known and like, you know, to work in a new bookstore or to be a young person and start off or an old person, doesn't matter. Um, and you want to start a, start a job in a bookstore for the first time. It's really about just getting to know a books, bookstore that you think would work for you. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I mean, that's what we love about indies. As before that, we started recording this podcast. I actually have a weird story about the my local bookstore. And when I lived in Brooklyn, is was Community, and I one of the booksellers there, who I used to buy books from, now works here where I live <laughs> now here in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of magical, and it's I it's you know. And we've had bookstores booksellers that worked here that went on to work in new york you know like you know worked at emily used to work here and she worked at word for many years now she's with nypl um so she's you know it's like it kind of gets passed around that's for sure yeah so people that are lifers you know they get in <laughs> and they go on i mean some people they uh you know they get a degree in creative writing or something and they, of course they want to be surrounded by books but it's maybe not always the best fit because maybe they're not really a retail person yeah. you know so where can we find Skylight online? Skylightbooks.com. We have a Tumblr. We have a Facebook. Wow. We have an Instagram. Uh, probably some other things. Twitter, of course. Um, all Skylight Books. Yeah, easy to find. Awesome. Steve, thank you so much. This has been a great interview. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you guys for coming down. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Uh, Cassandra writes in, who is one of Bria's friends. One of my friends. <laughs> do you ever skip pages in a book? Or if it's a nonfiction book, do you ever read the chapters out of order? Do you ever go back and read the skip pages? She actually texted me this, and then I was like, I'm going to put this on the show. This is a good question. Good what, do question. You, what do you do, Mallory? Because I actually feel pretty strongly about this. I have a reader confession to make, guys. Uh, I always skip dream sequences. I fucking hate dream sequences. Nothing makes me angrier than what when I... What if, what if it's a book that's a lot of dream sequences? Uh, lots of skipping. You're going to skip. Lots what about that book, The Hike? I feel like it's a ma it's just one big dream sequence. But it, no, but it's not like... Okay, all right, fair. All right. Like it, it has to be like an actual dream sequence. Like, I just know you and I both read that book this year. But we like that book. Yeah. 
yeah, I get so irritated when it's like, oh, it was only a dream moment. Like, I skip them and I never go back or reread them. I feel no shame about them. I don't know why. There's just something about, like, starting a sentence and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't actually happening. Fuck this. And I'll also sometimes skim things if, like, something wicked gross is happening, like someone's being born or someone's getting their leg chopped off or oh, yeah, something weird. That, that bothers me, too. But I'll, I'll usually, I always read my nonfiction in order, uh, unless it's, like, a cookbook or a textbook or something, then I'll skip around. But I think it's, like, a musician making an album. Like, someone wanted those chapters to be in that order for a reason. I'm biased, though, because I'm a nonfiction author and I'm writing a nonfiction book right now, and I'm, like, very carefully choosing the way that everything is going. Mm, tot- what about you, Bria? Totally about to not agree. Tear out the pages <laughs> and then shuffle them and then put them back in order. First of all, I skip pages in nonfiction. Not necessarily memoirs, which we're doing an episode of memoirs soon, so I want to make that clear. Because memoirs, I feel like, are like... A story. Start, they're a story, right? But a nonfiction book, start to finish, I feel like has some chapters that maybe I don't need to read. And I started doing this in grad school because there would be whole chapters where I'm like, that was just a repeat of the last chapter because I had to read so many books and yeah. I learned that I had to kind of skip around. And by the way... I skip chapters in nonfiction books, and I'll still say I read the book. I, I don't say, like, well, I read most of that book. I say, no, I read that book. Yeah, Because I, I got it. the idea. Yeah, fuck it. Because I, I don't feel like it's totally my fault if a particular chapter is not something that doesn't interest me. I find that a lot of nonfiction books can get a little repetitive, and maybe some of these books should be articles and not books. I know, Boom. that's probably controversial <laughs> opinions on reading glasses. It's not as much of the stuff I need, as I read now as stuff I was assigned in college where I would be like, this could have been an article. And like yeah. this could have been a long article, a 50-page article, but it didn't need to be a 200-page book. And the rest of it is just them telling me what they're about to tell me, and then they tell me the thing, and then they told me what that they just told me that thing. Yeah. That's what I feel like some books are, and I don't appreciate it. And I'm okay with skipping pages because the other thing is I feel like you need to hold my interest. Yeah. I'm not going to keep reading a fiction book I don't like. Yeah. I will just put that book down. That book just goes in the garbage. Like, I will just, you have to, there's too in many the books garbage in this world. All the garbage people, right? And Bria's trash. And I don't think there's enough shame. I don't think there's any shame in it. No. I think the book needs to hold your interest. There's not enough time. Yes, you are learning something usually when you're reading a nonfiction book, but it should also be fun. And yeah, unless you're, you're absolutely just yourself. doing research. Yeah, which I, you know, I do. But even when I'm doing research, sometimes I'll skip. So you guys don't, there's no shame in skipping pages. There's no shame in reading things out of order. And I also don't think if you're bored by the information, you're not going to retain it. Yeah. Like if I'm reading something and I'm like, oh, this is so boring. I'm never going to remember I don't remember those books I read in grad school that should have been 50 pages. I don't remember what happened in the three chapters that I didn't read very much of. Yeah, you're just suffering needlessly, guys. <laughs> I just said I don't remember things that I didn't read, but that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys have a bookish question or a reader problem you want us to solve, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. Uh, we're pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go through go to GRE ttacom slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite reading glasses moments into clips that you can share out on social media. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglasses. Thanks for listening, and thanks, thanks for, for reading. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.